Well, guys, I make no apologies this morning for doing a little bit of backtracking, covering some familiar ground, and reviewing and dealing with some issues that maybe we've spoke about over the course of the year. You know we're at the end of 2014, which is nuts. I kind of closed my eyes, and it was May. I've opened them again, and we're in the middle of December. It's absolutely nuts. But you know, if we try and hold on to or grasp what God has been doing in our midst this year, it has been awesome. Well, it seems that me and the young lady at the front are having a great time. God has been doing amazing things in our lives. We're being stretched, we're being pulled, we're being worked upon. The Christ is being formed. Lives are being changed. We've seen some ups, we've seen some downs, we've seen some ins, we've seen some outs. There's been days of indifference, days of amazingness, days of being upside down and back to front. I tell you, it seems to be, you know, where um, life would dictate if we allowed it, we'd feel like we was on the merry-go-round that we never, ever got off. But you know that God's still in control. One thing I was feeling before when we was in the worship is that God is before time. God is at the end of time, but God is always on time. And when I bring my understanding in my life into alignment with he's on time, then things are okay. It's just I never or don't always know when he's on time. When I'm sat there panicking and having a moment. I know that you never have a moment. But when I'm having a moment and I get them occasionally, then you have to deal with some things, don't you? And understand that God's on time. We had a situation that um, kind of brought itself upon us last week. I never, if you ever try and get hold of me over the weekend on my phone, you're never going to get it. I'll pick up my emails, but I never have my phone. Why? Because I'm not in work and I'm not being pestered. So I turn my mobile phone off. Dan comes in last Sunday morning to say, will you answer your phone? Well, I would do, Dan, if it was switched on, but it's in the drawer at home. My niece has been trying to get hold of me and my sister's been trying to get hold of me. Can you go to the hospital? Your sister is very ill. You go, all right, well, maybe there should be an issue why I keep my phone on. So last week, Angie and I were said, it's pretty urgent, you better go. My sister had pneumonia, was in, was in hospital. You kind of think, right, she's got pneumonia, she's in hospital. So we go down there. My sister is two years older than me, so she's nearly 33 now. Um, <laughs> we go to the hospital... And we're there to witness her DNR statement. Do not resuscitate. And she's two years older than me. And you go in. Now, this is a bit of a curveball. She's crying. My nephew's crying. My niece is crying. And we had to sit there and go, well, this isn't happening. So we had to just make that declaration. You ain't going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Why? Because we've got somebody on our side who's bigger than your side. You know, we had to take some stances and situations we had to deal with. But the reason I tell you that is she came out, by the way. She's all right. So I did say, am I in the will? Have I got the telly? Seems not. So I said, you can't go anywhere. If I'm not having that new big 50-inch TV you've got, then you can't go anywhere. But she's out now. She's not very well, but she's out of hospital. She's beyond the worst of it. But the reason I tell you that story is 
because of everything that's going on in our lives, as God's still moving in us and with us and around us, distractions can come that take your eye off the ball so easily. Different things. It's not always, it's not bad people and we're not doing bad things, but it's so easy to become distracted, isn't it? We spoke last time about having a new starting position and things being different. So let me remind you of a scripture that we read from John chapter 9 and verses 1 to 4. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is today, we must do the works of him who sent me. Who does the works? Us. We do the works. He was sent, but we're the ones who do the work. Is that right? So that must mean that God has to work in us so that we can do not only what he does, but we represent him accurately. So that when we're faced with a situation where we walk into the hospital, we're not completely overwhelmed by the situation that we find, but that we know that even though, as we just sang in the songs, the storm, the wind, and the waves are still there, they still hear his voice. So in the hearing his voice, you and I need to know that one, we hear, but two, we are the ones who are meant to be the hands that are going to change something. You know, there's a scripture that says, a body you have prepared for me. Without a body, God can't do anything. And you know the body he's looking for? This one. If it was Pastor Tony now, he'd be saying, look, here's the stallion before you. I've been to the gym with him. I know things are different. But we know that the body, God is looking for you and I to work in and work through so that we can see things differently. Amen. Once I was blind and now I can see was the awesome and greatest testimony almost of any gospel encounter. How simple can you get? It was like this and now it's not. I was like that. Now it's great. We can all be theological about it, can't we? And we can go through the scriptures and we can step through. And I had this, I had my initial baptism of repentance and I came into water. Then I came to the Holy Ghost. And then from there, I did my course and I did authentic. And from authentic, I was able to press through to communications course, which enabled me to build and stand before man and be able to communicate the best way I could with clarity. We can say all those things, but the testament that sees a life change is once I was blind, but now I can see. You and I are called to do the works, are we not? And there is a very simple mandate. The mandate of the kingdom is this, and Pastor Tony's been talking about the kingdom this morning. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, speak in new tongues, bring liberty to captives, bring heaven down and push the enemy back. That is the simple kingdom mandate in a nutshell. We can get much more complicated if you want to, but by the look on your faces, I don't think you want to. We don't need to go any deeper apart from saying, as pastors just said, we walk out of these doors and we live a life outside of it, which will see people, not only us um, live different lives, but how it can touch the lives of others and see them transformed as well. Yes. (laughs) You know when there's a gap? That's the bit where we're still convincing ourselves. You know, there's three facets. The three facets fall in this area. And that is that, The Father gives us permission and validation. The Son gives us the right to become. And the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do. When we've got all of those three assets working in us and through us, 
lives should and must be different. There are no excuses of saying, well, I need a bit more training. I need to do a bit more this. I need to be a bit more righteous this week. Am I holy enough? Have I read enough? Have I prayed enough? We're always looking at the issues of why we're not. But just having those three elements in our lives will cause us to be different. In Isaiah 8 and verse 18, it declares this. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. We are made for signs and wonders. Now, that might be a bit of an amazement to you, like it's an amazement to me, where I think, God, you want to use this shell of a wreck of a person, one who messes up, screws it up, gets things upside down and back to front, doesn't always represent him the best way that we ever could. But yet God still says, I have made you for signs and wonders. Not only to receive signs and wonders, but to be a distributor of signs and wonders, to be the hands and feet, to be the ones who will go out and do, the ones who can be. You know, I broke down last time we preached, a breakdown of what some of the things the Holy Ghost does for us. It brings empowering, it brings boldness, it brings security, comfort, confidence, assurance, validation, vindication, and verification with proofs and convincing signs. All of this is what is part and parcel of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not for the special ones. It's not even for the ones in special needs. It's for all of us where Christ is looking and saying, I'm looking for a life who can represent me. And you know what? I might not always think it, but when God looks down from heaven and says, Veronica, it's you. I don't know if you remember, it's years ago now. When was it? Sometime in the early 90s when the lottery first started. And the lottery campaign, the clouds used to open on the TV advert and a big hand would come down with a finger and say, Kevin Watson, it's you. And it said, anywhere in this crowd at any time, I can just reach out my hand and say, it's you. Today, it's you. Today, it's you. The hand of God opens heaven and says, it's all of you. There's not a special one. It's not your one in a million. You're one in him. We're one body in Christ. He's touching us and he's laying hold of us. Now, I thought of this illustration. The illustration is this. My keys, I think we've all done this at some time in our lives. We've all been to either Simpsons, the local key shop. We've been somewhere, and we've taken out what is known as a master key. Does anybody own keys? Right, thank you. Right, so you've taken your key to Timpsons or whatever, and you've said, I need another key just like this one. He takes the key, he puts it in his machine, and he takes a blank. He puts the blank next to this one, and because of his skill and craftsmanship, so I've been led to believe, because I've had keys that don't work, he puts it in the machine, and he files it in a certain place, or he uses the grinder, and then I have two identical keys. One might be a big silver one, and one's now a golden or a bronze key, but I have two keys that will access the same lock. Yes? And we then take that key, go back home or whatever, and they'll say, do you just want to try it out? If there's any issues and it's a bit tight, bring it back, and I'll file it down a little bit. And you put your key in the lock, you turn it, and it works. To your amazement, the door opens. 
The issue is this. The Holy Ghost is working on us. The Father's dealing with us. The Christ is causing us to become so that whatever he can access, you can access. Well, thank you for that underwhelming response. Whatever he can access, you and I can access also. He gives you the keys of the kingdom. Again, we come back to that word again, the kingdom. He gives us the keys so that wherever we go, we're not out of place. We have the tools that we need. He causes us to be equipped. Now, the difference is for you and I, we might feel like I can't reach the lock. It's too far away. I'm too afraid to take the key out of my pocket. What if somebody knew I had a key? There's all reasons why we talk ourselves in and out. But he's training us, he's forming us, he's building us. That key is being formed in our life so that we can do what he can do. Now remember, we've talked about early in the year, and we're just touching base on a few things before we launch properly. To say that when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, it is not for our own self-indulgence. We're filled with the Holy Ghost to be and to do. Yes? Now we've covered all these bases before. As I said, I'm just touching some elements that we've already spoken about this year. Just readdressing it again so that it can stay fresh into our hearts. But I want to pick up on what Pastor Tony preached last week. It was a, a scripture he used which we kind of bounced around a little bit in the gym, but really laid hold of me afterwards. And that was from Ecclesiastes 3.11. Last week he preached and he says, He has made everything beautiful in his time and he has set eternity in the hearts of men. Question. I always come to the question, if God has set his, our hearts or eternity in our hearts, once that has been established, our hearts must then be set on eternity. That makes sense? He sets eternity in our hearts, but once it's set, I must set my heart on eternity. I now start to view and see the bigger picture. We've just used that there and everybody responded and finished off the end of that sentence that we see the bigger picture. But do you know how easy it is? I'm not a racing guy. I've never been into racing. But one thing I've seen and known a little bit about is that horses, when they are trained and they run, if they're easily distracted, what do they put on horses? Blinkers. So when they put blinkers on the horse, it can only ever see what is directly in front of it. Yes? Now, let's say that is for the benefit of the horse so that it can keep its focus and not be distracted or frightened. It won't be, um, I'm trying to think of the term that they use. You know, like when a horse gets slightly jittery, it gets a, get, get jittery, don't they? And you see some of these horses when there's going to be a horse race and they're kind of jumping and they're trying to hold it all down because it just wants to go. For you and I, we can find that life can easily, so easily dictate to us that we live our lives blinkered. It's me and God, and that's it. So I live in this tunnel vision approach to either my own life, the kingdom, the church, the bigger picture, the needs of man for the sake of the world, whatever it is, I live in this zone. And that's nice and safe, and it feels great. But when I start to be in this position of eternity set on my heart and hearts being set on eternity, the blinkers need to come off. The blinkers are removed, so I start to see what's around me. Have you ever been in a meeting? I suppose you've never been. I've been in this meeting, but you wouldn't have been in this meeting. Where 
all these people around you seem to be having this amazing God encounter. And you're thinking, my God, they're having this wonderful, all heaven, technicolor dream. I'm not even having a black and white nightmare. You know, what's kind of going on? Because I'm living like that. I've not learned to open my heart, not reach to touch him, not learn to draw on him when he's in the presence. I start to live in that moment. Now, when I'm living in that moment, the only person who's losing out is me. The bigger picture is not just that everybody else gets blessed. The bigger picture is that I am transformed, become more like the Christ, and move towards him more and more. But there is a question, isn't there? What stops us or what can stop us from seeing the bigger picture? What stops us from seeing the bigger picture? Now, the things that we're going to touch on, because we'll launch from this place, are kind of common to all. And we're not bad people. The things that are common to all. But there must be a way of circumnavigating the issues. Yes? In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, I'm not going to read you all of the scripture because it's long, but this scripture comes on the back of the parable of the sower. Jesus has been out. He gives the parable of the sower. All his disciples are there going, yeah, listen to him. Yeah, the parable, the sower. Yeah, you get the seed. And then they go to him and go, what the heck are you talking about? And this is just one of the verses that he breaks down. This is Jesus responding. He said, the seed which fell amongst thorns, these are the ones who have heard and they also go on their way. They are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the seed is sown. They hear the word. But the worries, the pleasures and the treasures of life choke it. And so nothing can come to maturity. I've just been given the illustration, haven't I, about or the, the situation that happened with my sister. Health, finance, relationships, family, work pressures. You keep adding to your list all of the things you want to add to that become the distractions that stop us moving forward. They're the distractions that keep us blinkered. They're the distractions that stop us seeing the bigger picture. There is nothing wrong with all of those things. If there is a situation with your health and it needs to be dealt with, then it needs to be dealt with. But when it becomes first in your life, it's the first thing you're thinking about when you wake in the morning. When it's driving you, whether it's a relationship, I'm a pain enough, whatever's happening, it will cause you to become distracted and take your eyes off the bigger picture. Now, again, I don't like doing it, but I'll do it. This is for your benefit, not necessarily for mine. And that is the situation that has been happening with me. People keep asking, saying to Ange, is Phil okay? Oh, he's not very well. Oh, he's really poorly. I am not really poorly. As you can see, I'm still here. Yeah? I have a situation which has happened with my body, which is a bit nuts and upside down. A couple of years ago, I had a really bad infection in my kidneys for over six months that wasn't diagnosed. And being a man, you go, yeah, I'll just fight it. So that infection did me no favors at all and just decided to eat part of my organs. So that's the kind of situation I found myself in. So 
I am classed as non-symptomatic. If you look at me, everything's okay. But elements of me are shutting down internally. So I went from being nothing to being classed as you're diabetic. And you're going, but no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. We played that game, uh, the pantomime game, didn't we? It's behind you. So the situation is, is that for this last month, I have to, three times a day, take my blood count. Makes, you know, I, I'll let you know, this is again a man thing. And Kevin witnessed this, and I wasn't hiding anything from him. It took me two days before I worked up to be able to prick my finger for the first time because I am not sticking that in my finger. It's all right now. It's getting a bit tougher. But the situation is, is that three times a day, I have to eat at a certain time, take medication at a certain time, take bloods at a certain time, so that the end of it, which is next week, I can give a true set of figures to my doctor. Yeah? And we'll take it from there. I'm the one saying, <laughs> you need to know that this situation's not stopping because I'm going to be the guy who's not going to be living in this. And they're going, you're nuts. Because according to this, your scale is every month you get 5 or 10% worse than you was the month before. And you're going, hello, it's working. But let me tell you, and the reason I say that, how much of a distraction that has come even to myself. Because you wake in the... Do you know, I said to Kev, Kev and I should be in, in January going off to Malaysia to um, go and do some stuff for um, Dr. Jonathan. And I said to Kev, what is crazy about this? I woke up one morning and thought, where can I eat if I'm in moi? You know that's nuts, don't you? You know that's nuts. But I'm using this. As I said, I don't like speaking about myself because his position here is not to speak about myself, but to lift him up. I'm believing that God is going to break through. I'm believing that we're going to flip everything around and we'll see our breakthrough, and we'll have a testimony. Yes? So even though they go, oh, you're 5%, you're 10% worse than you was the month before, God's still going to break through. And what, I'll let you in, because Jenny really encouraged me. She really encouraged me, because the week one when I was doing my bloods, I said, hey, Jenny, I, I, I know you've been diabetic. Um, these numbers, are these like yours? And when somebody goes, <gasps> you kind of think it's not the most encouraging thing in the world. <laughs> But we'll find out. We're getting, we're getting to the bottom of it. But the situation, like I said, is this, is that that becomes a massive distraction. You wake up in the morning and think, right, now before I do anything, I need to eat. Before I do this, I need to do that. Before I do this, I need to do that. Now, two weeks ago, again, I was sharing with Kev because I'm very open with Kev where all these issues are concerned. Is the Lord shared that scripture that says, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. See, Tony can say he's a stallion, but he never got that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But here's the situation. Your days ordained for you were written in my book before one of them came to be. So you have to have a word with yourself sometimes and say, whose report will you believe? Will I believe this one? Or am I believing that God is good? Now, again, we are not making a declaration of lack of faith or unbelief or what you're being a nutcase for. But... Let me tell you something. When I said that my sister was two years older than me, and you're signing that do not resuscitate order, are in there, 
In my family, we don't have what's known as longevity. My mum died at 60. My dad died at 47. So it's kind of nuts. This thing goes, is it your turn? No, it's not. So if you think you're getting rid of me and having my telly, you can't. We're not going anywhere. But it's amazing when you've got some history, what goes... You know, in those early hours in the morning, hello, is there anybody in there that says, oh, yeah, you do realize you're going to lose all the sensitivity in your feet. And have you thought about having uh, your legs amputated? No, I haven't. You know, there's a good chance you can go blind. No, I won't. But these are all the things that start to just sit over here. Now, that's just me. If we've got your situation... So many people in here will have diseases, lifelong illnesses, that unless God breaks out or breaks through, the situation deteriorates. And all of these things become the distraction to life. You know, there's one thing I found out about worrying. You can worry a lot, but you know it doesn't change anything. It does not change anything. Now, I've been on the other side as well, where you bluff yourself. You know what bluffing yourself is? Oh, I'm not worried. Oh, no, no, I'm not worried. No, it's not. You, Do you ever play that game where you stand and have a word with yourself in the mirror? You are not worried. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now stop worrying. I'm, I'm trying not to worry. It's all the bits. When I see him, who he, who he is, where he is, and the promises he's made, I have to believe that my days are ordained for me. Now, I don't act like an idiot. So when he turns around and says, I will have long days, that is not the time to say I'm going to take up base jumping as a hobby. I'm going to start getting on the top of Blackpool Tower with my little parachute and jump out and say, I hope this thing opens before I hit the ground. I'm not going to be a nutcase with my life. But we're looking at the distractions. That, I said, is a distraction or has become that distraction that works towards me because you're thinking about your health. Other people, you think about finance, you're thinking about relationships, you're thinking about your kids, you're thinking about the future of your jobs, you're thinking about your your boss saying, well, you disappear after Christmas, but we'll we'll review whether or not we're going to renew your contract in January. All of that kind of build-up stuff sits there that causes you to miss the bigger picture. Because for a moment, I'm captivated and caught up with one thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is something wrong with it, as I said, when it starts to dictate and build into my life. Now, remember, there was one thing it said worries. Then it said treasures and pleasures. There's a contradiction, and I build it this way. We know that we need things. We need wealth. We need finance. Would that be right? Well, four of us do. The rest of us are living on green shield stamps. For those who are old enough to remember what they are. We need wealth. We need finance. We need money that comes in. So we work for that. Do we not? The flip side, because the Bible says, if a man does not work, he does not eat. There is pleasure. There is well-being that when a man works, he has seen some vindication for his life. Yes? So work is good. Yeah. It's Monday tomorrow. Just letting you know. Work is good. But yet, the distraction can come the other way. 
because I want to see my life changed and my situation be able to provide for me, my family, and at times my extended family. Yes? So I then start chasing coin. So I start chasing the extra hours. I start chasing the promotion. I start chasing the extra. I start doing the extra bits. Can you just do this extra shift? Can you just do weekend? Can you just do this? And before I've looked... That has become a distraction that I now class as the blessing of God. But if the blessing of God builds so high but takes me out of his house and his people, where is it ever a blessing? Do we need finance? Does God want us to have finance? But not at any cost. The cost is if it takes us and withdraws us from him, it's a distraction. These distractions are what will kill us more and more. Do you know the crazy thing? Because you know we're like delving in the area of finance. There are basic principles that whatever nation you are in the world, whatever people group you are, whether you're the A, B, C's or D's in the economy, for those who want to go that far down the line, there is a simple principle. The more you earn, the more you spend. Because the more you earn, the more you spend... The more you spend, because now you have bigger toys. Bigger toys and more expensive toys. And now I've got that whole thing of saying, I moved house because it was good. It was good for me. We've moved up the social standards and up the ladder. We've moved around. Remember, the biggest issue is this. The people in the worst financial situation are the ones who spend what their friends think they earn. So I'm now keeping up with the Joneses and beyond. And now I am caught in the system of having to keep on doing what I don't want to do or else the house of cards will fall over. Again, it's like that domino effect. One thing goes, they all go. So now I'm trapped. What I thought was going to be a blessing and the blessing of God because now I did more and I got the promotion. and You know how it goes? Round and round. The distraction. Was there anything wrong with the promotion? Was there anything wrong with having more? Was there anything wrong with moving house? None of those things are the issue, but when they become your first, then we have a problem. We work that down. So it was worries, it was treasures, and it was pleasures. We then turn around and say, what we need is quality time. So the quality time is, because of my pressures... And because of my work, then the only time I have to spend with my family is now the time when I should be in church. So what we do is God now understands that I can't be in church because now we're having quality time. And where we have quality time, we'll have it in the caravan that I just bought. So I just bought the caravan and whatever it is, or my holiday home or something that we do. And it becomes that we answer our own questions and we go round and round and round in a big circle. And what is the end result? The end result is no fruit is produced. No fruit is brought to maturity. Now, I'm not here this morning to make things heavy for us. I'm not here to make things hard. We're having the realization that when Pastor Tony brings the word of the Lord that says eternity is set in your heart, once it's set in your heart, my heart must be set on eternity. So sometimes I have to address or realign my life or bring it back to where he is. That's called choice. That's just called living. That's not called Phil being nasty. 
That's not Phil being, why are you giving me a Chinese burn this morning? We deal with issues to bring our lives in line with him. But I remember the scripture this morning. I know the context is different, but it says this. You were running such a good race, who cut in on you? Now, I know at the time, the context from Galatians is speaking about whether or not you were a Jew or you were a Greek and then somebody told you you need to act like a Jew and then go back into all those ways. I know that's the context it's set in. But the one thing that doesn't fall away is this whole thing of saying, you were running such a good race. What happened to you? And I'm sure if we're honest with each other and honest with ourselves, there are times and situations in our lives where you look around and thought, my God, how did I move from there and find myself over here? You wake up one morning and say, why have I been backslid for three months? But you never felt backslid. You never felt, you felt like everything was going okay. But the distractions, all the bits, you look around and say, Lord, why is it that when I stand in the group of the congregation on a Sunday morning, why do I feel like the stranger? Why do I feel like you're a million miles away? Why is the word just go like that over my head? Why does everybody else seem to be drawing on something and not me? Have a look around and see where you are. Reevaluate is a good word. You know that we don't compare to compete. We compare to conclude. Being a visual guy, which I am, there's one thing that Pastor Tony hates, and it's one thing that I love, because I can't help it. It's just the way that my mind works. I like adverts. All right, let's go on, say you're saddo. I like adverts, because I like to see how do people say things, how are things packaged, how it works. How in that 20-second slot are you going to get what you've got and convince me that my life would is a shame and a sham if I don't have it. And I was just reminded this morning of Miracle Grow. You know, well, not Miracle Grow is. Yeah, all done some gardening. Seen the advert for Miracle Grow? And they go, and here's plant A with no Miracle Grow. And here's one I prepared earlier with Miracle Grow. And it's normally three times as big as the one that came before. When we look at our lives and we're looking around... And I look at Andy and say, why is there more fruit on his tree than there is on mine? I can do two things. I can say, because he's a spiritual swat. <laughs> and he's a Burke and he's God's favorite, so get lost. I can slag him off to myself. Or I can go and ask him the very same principle. Andy, you, you seem to be moving in this area. Why is that? You seem to have had a breakthrough there. When you pray, you pray like I don't pray. I can start to ask and find out. And as I find out, maybe that in my comparing, I too can realize that the miracle grow works for me as well as it works for him. But it comes down again to the distractions. But I was looking because I wanted to give ourselves a little bit of hope this morning, which is always good. <laughs> I wanted to give us some, some hope this morning because I was looking and I thought of poor Timothy Timothy 1 and Timothy 2. Timothy 1, the guy's doing all right. Timothy 2, you know, Paul is working extremely hard to try and bail out this guy's life. I take it you've never read Timothy 2. In that, he's told to fan into flame. 
In there, he's told to stir up the gift. In there, he's told again to fight the good fight. He's got legacy. He said it started in your grandmother. It went into your mother. It's now in you. You've had the laying on of hands. You stood with me in the fight. Everything was going good. But the distractions and hindrances of life have caused something to come to a grinding halt. He sees the life of Paul. He sees what he's going through. Now, remember something. If you and I were to take a gauge and take spiritual lives off the gospel, I would not be saying that the hand of, the hand of God is on Paul's life. It's not the kind of blessed life that I'm looking for myself. Prison, shipwrecked, skint, naked, run from place to place, beaten up, hated by everybody, fearing, thin, then fat. Or you look at all the life of Paul and you go, now that's the one I'm signing up for. If we looked at that and we said, again, there's Andy, the spiritual SWAT. Yeah, he's just gone for a race look and he got beaten up and he went in town and he stoned him. and then We would be going, just look how much God's dealing with him. Just look at the way that that guy's life is being beaten down. But then I started to do a little bit of research on Timothy. Only a little bit. And then you start to find that what happened to Paul was also represented and um, reproduced in the life of Timothy as well. At the end of Hebrews, it tells you that Timothy was in prison like Paul was because he was released from prison. You then say when it says, will you stand the good fight? Uh, will you fight the good fight of faith? Will you keep on going? Will you fan into flame? History tells us this because it's after scripture. It's not in here. But if you look and do your historical kind of research, you find that Timothy stayed faithful to the church in Ephesus till he was 80 years of age. He carried on going. The distractions had come and he was thinking, do I want to carry on and see what's happening to Paul? He carried on. He pushed through. I won't tell you the end of Timothy, but it didn't end well. I'm a cheer, I'm cheer, this is all cheering you up, this. This is cheering you up. He finished strong. The end result was there was a parade that was in the town they uh, had a parade of idols and Timothy went out and he preached the gospel and he started to tell them about what Christ had done and that he shouldn't be having this possession, a uh, procession. So he stoned him. But apart from that, things were going well for him. Now, I kind of digress a little bit. The whole issue is coming back to this thing of seeing the bigger picture and starting to say that distractions, we all have them. You know, these are as things that are common to all of us, but yet my life when grounded in him has to make a difference. Does it mean that one morning I wake up and the world seems bigger than me? Yes, but I can't stay there. I get the bad news. Will the bad news come? Yes, but I can't stay there. Might seem I'm skint, but I can't stay there. Whatever I can do to meet it and work towards it, that must I, I must do. I will do what I can do, and he will do what he must do. But the distractions are what kill all of us. Now, we're having this bigger picture in mind. I'll just remind you of something again. We're just touching base from where we was at the start of the year. Percy Panda. Sorry if you weren't around for Percy Panda. I'm just speaking Greek. Percy Panda, this is our starting position. Remember what we did? We used um, Russian dolls, one inside another. 
which just so happened to be a panda. That's why it's Percy Panda. And we use the scriptures to say that when I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior, he came to make his home in me. And where he makes his home, the father makes his home. And where the father makes his home, the Holy Ghost makes his home. So all three were in me. And then we saw that he gave us the keys of the kingdom. Then we saw that we became priests and kings. Then we also saw that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We also saw that we're ambassadors. We saw that we're disciples. And we saw that we have to have a pattern life that others will follow. And this situation started to change. And we saw ourselves, our starting position was here, because I'm seated with him, rather than you're some worthless dog who's got to try and find your way to his presence. Even what we reminded ourselves of this morning is that when I worship in spirit and in truth, the Father's looking for me. It's not trying to search to find out where he is. When I'm in that area of spirit and in truth, God's coming looking for me. We also said that when I'm born again, when I'm living this life, when I'm positioned in him, my prayer is ever before him. So when Jesus turns around and says, this is for their benefit, not mine, because I know that you hear me always. You know, your prayers are heard always. This is the element of the bigger picture. Our prayers are always before him. Now, here's the four questions that Pastor Tony asked last week. If eternity is set in your hearts, then there was four questions that came off the back of it. What's God doing in your life right now? What has God begun in you? What has God promised he will do? What must be brought to an end for this eternity to be established? Now, let me encourage you again. If you didn't hear the CD, get the CD, download it from the website, do whatever you need to do. But ask yourselves that question, those questions. Go before the Father, start to pray and say, my Lord, Father, just start to reveal this stuff to me. Because is there a reason I'm not seeing this? Where's my distraction? What has become number one in my life? What has now become so all-consuming that I can't see past it? It's almost like the um, eclipse of the sun. I'm only seeing a little bit of light when I should be seeing it all. Now, remember those issues. The issues of worries, pleasures, and treasures lead to no fruit or maturity. The first three are easy to deal with. Do you know that? Because most of those are behavioral issues where I can learn and develop and train. So, what do I mean? If the situation is, if I'm sick, I can only do what I can do. If I know that I need the hand of God, I need the hand of God. There's not a lot I can do about that. But when it comes to I don't earn enough, then maybe I need to make some different steps. Maybe I need to go back to college. Maybe I need to find another job. Maybe I need to break out of my comfort zone. Whatever it is, the situations can be faced. If I look to say I had a problem with relationships, the majority of relationships can be fixed. Not all can be fixed. This is not a cure-all. We know that some things are over and above. They've gone too far to be able to pull back. But the issue that we pull out at the end is, do I bear fruit? In Hebrews 5, verse 12, it says this. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. By now, there has been many of us who've been around church a long time. But if we was doing that entry examination, would we pass? I'm speaking to me. I'm not just speaking to you. We have to address this issue and say, this year, 
just in the fruit and measuring. We know that we've had authentic. We know that our lives have been touched. The ladies had an awesome time in the meeting places of God. Did you not, ladies? Yes. Yes. Ladies had an awesome time. In the authentic, there's been building block upon building block. There's been stripping out. There's been building back. All of it. And people I'm hearing over and over again how my life has been transformed this year. How much God has been doing this year. We've had the prophetic word at the start of the year, the three Ps. Progression, protection, provision, all of those things. So let me ask you a question on our miracle grow illustration. If we were to get at the end of the year and you and I to ask ourselves a question, because I am not asking you a question. This is a question to ask yourselves. If I'm able to measure the fruit on my tree, how am I doing? Is there fruit on my tree? Or have I become, like it says in Luke's gospel, I keep hearing, but nothing is changing. If nothing's changing, then something's amiss. Something is awry. You know, we're coming into that Christmas period now. And it's great. Christmas is great, but Christmas is also rubbish. And do you know why it's rubbish? Because, well, you've got to pay for it apart from that. The issue that I have to deal with me, and I'll deal with me, I'm not dealing with you this morning, is that I have to get up in the morning and have a word with myself. Do you know why I have to have a word with myself? Because Christmas is a great time for staying up late, not getting up in the morning, overindulging, and in all this time of going, I'm pleasuring, it's doing wonderful, and they look back and go, yeah, I never read, I've not read this week. I've not prayed this week. I've not made time for him this week. Why? Because Santa Claus, the movie's on. Three. I bet I can't miss that. I've got that taped. Then I've got the uh, carol service from Queens. Or whatever it is, there are so... And there's Mrs. Brown's Christmas special. There's all the stuff that you cannot miss, isn't there? And then you wake up in the morning and you go, I am now going to bed at three. And I'm getting up about the same time. Three. Because now my days have now become upside down, and now I get longer and longer, and now I can't go to bed early because I'm not tired. Do you know that process that goes around? And what we find, what um, I'm saying we found, if I talk to Pastor Tony and the guys, it's the worst time for us, saying the worst time for church, because we lose focus. We get distracted. I think the new year should really start November. If it starts November, I'm not going, January the 1st is a diet. And then it becomes February and March. When we hit January, we hit it running. But we hit it running because we see the bigger picture. So maybe in this whole thing that Pastor Tony was talking about of eternity being set in our hearts, maybe it's good. And again, it's not woe is me, because these are all things to encourage us, even though you don't think it's encouraging is to do a personal audit of your life over the course of this year. Remember the milestones. Remember where you met God. Remember where there has been breakthrough. Remember where the words he's spoken to you. Remember where he's challenged you. Remember where there's been fruit. Remember the promises. All of these things start to look out and then say that wonderful question, and what did I do with it? Because, you know, when God speaks, it's not for me just to put it in my jotter. 
the question was, and what is God working in you? What is he having to take out to put some stuff back in? Now, on this note of encouragement, because believe it or not, this is encouragement. The question would fall this. Put your hand up if this year you believe that from authentic or empog or whatever, you've had a God encounter, you know him more, that you felt that your life had been enhanced from being in that. I would say that I, I have, I have. So it's most of us. Yes, most of us have been around. The question I put to Pastor Tony the other day when we're chatting, in our non-woe is me conversation, by the way, <laughs> chatting is this. If I believe my life has been changed and transformed so much, if God is working, if we believe the prophetic words that have come into the house, this is a house where breakthrough is. This is a house where healing will flow. This is a house where the dynamic is ready. This is a house of the miraculous. This is a house where we touch his heart. This is a house where he wants to make his home. Why can't we enjoy, why cannot we introduce somebody else to it. And do you know what the bottom line was? We came out with the conclusion, Pastor Tony and I, because we don't know anybody and we ain't got no mates. <laughs> Outside of church, who do you know? So we're going, we're going to have a meeting where we're just going to preach the gospel, bring your mates, and you go, I ain't got any mates. <laughs> I ain't got any mates. It's true, be around church for a while, and the people you know are people from church. And apart from super spiritual Andy, who needs some help, there's not an awful lot of people left to invite. So we have a gospel meeting, and I'm sat there looking at Shirley, thinking, well, I'll repent if you repent. The fruit on our tree is that anything that's healthy will grow. Maybe a Christmas present to yourself this year. Shall I tell you, you can be self-indulgent. This is from God. You can be self-indulgent for Christmas. Find yourself a friend. <laughs> find yourself a friend. And if you're going to find a friend, you be a good one. You be true. You be loyal. You could be consistent. You be the life. You be the light. You be the salt. Why? Because how can there be healing in the house when we've got nobody who needs healing? How can God break out in salvation when there's nobody who needs salvation? It's not just about us preparing ourselves like a Christmas turkey. Just keep hearing, getting spiritually fat to sit inside this building. We are carriers of life. Now, here's the final statement. I'll turn off the pad. I hope that you are encouraged because <laughs> it, was, it was never. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big stick. I can assure you this is not a big stick. I, I removed the big stick. I purposely removed. I also removed the three jokes that was in there because I, you know, my whim would be to throw in some humor somewhere. But no, the statement was this. It's a very simple statement, but yet it's quite profound. Because remember, what we're doing is we're reviewing our year. 
Now, I don't know about you. If you see some of those things on the, on the news that say 2014, and you go, oh, I forgot that Brian died in February, and I forgot that they won a gold medal, and I forgot, you know, there's so many things that happen over the course of a year. So only when they do the review, you see the good, bad, and indifferent. But the question was left at this. We are growing. We're maturing. God's good. God's faithful. God's still got some work to do. Yes. Remember the other illustration of the Play-Doh this morning? The bit about the Play-Doh we like is being formed into the Christ. It's not the bit about I'm pushing you into from the other end. I'm doing the squeezy bit that we don't like. But the question was this. In all of the goodness that God is doing in our lives, and we're looking to bear fruit, and you have been bearing fruit, the issue is to remind you to ask yourself, am I bearing fruit, and what can I do about that? But the question is this to finish with. How do I, me the individual, how do I serve the Lord? I don't mean I do the sausages. I don't mean I said hello when you came through the door. How do I minister and serve the Lord? You know, we said about eternity being set in your heart. Can I just tell you something? It's a scary place to be. Because do you know why? When you start praying, God, put on my heart what's on yours. You might not get to the Mrs. Brown Christmas special. That's all I'm saying. Why? Because you start to see a bigger picture. You start to be moved by what he's moved. Maybe we pray different. Maybe we read different. Maybe we value relationship different. Maybe we value each other differently. Maybe we look to build. But when I say, how am I serving the Lord? is not about what I do for him. It's about a life that reflects him. So in our review of the year, I'm encouraged because I know this is my starting position. I know that I find him in worship. I know that I hear his voice. I know that he hears my prayers. I know that I approach his throne of grace with confidence. I know that I'm a son and daughter. I, all of these things have already been resolved. They're out of my hands. It's things that God has done. Now I have to start walking in the light as he's in the light. But I need to be a man or a woman that starts to bear more fruit. And if you found over the course of this year, you've become distracted, have a word with yourself. Because it doesn't matter how much I say or what Pastor Tony will say or anybody else. Only you can deal with you. You look in the mirror in the morning and sometimes I have to say, Phil, you're a prat. It's not often, but I say, Phil, you're a prat. I have a word with myself, but I remember one thing. I never allow the enemy to take me back down the line of becoming disillusioned, disheartened, separated. I go back to that scripture that says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I apply that blood, remember what he's done, and instantly my position is back. Didn't take six months. My habits might need some dealing with. My thoughts might need some dealing with. I might need to put some things right. But this is right. Look at the distractions. 
Pleasures, treasures, worries. All three of those, or any one of those three, will stop me coming to maturity and bearing fruit. This year has been a fruit-building year. We're going to 2015. It's going to be even better. Four of us. It's going to be even better in 2015. There'll be more testimonies. There'll be more fruit on the vine. There'll be more cattle in the stall. There'll be more babies to clean up. There'll be more people pushing for your seats. Amen. But if you walk out of this, remember, ask yourselves the four questions about eternity being set in your hearts and give yourself the gift for Christmas. Find a friend. Start with you, Veronica. Come on, guys, let's stand to our feet. I've kind of really pressed in different areas this morning, but I felt... The way I put this together initially was different from the way that it's, it's come across. Because believe it or not, <laughs> this is a word to encourage us, encourage our hearts. It reminds us where we've been. Doing a yearly audit is always good. Yeah? You know, whether you're in, it's great to do audits in your own relationships. Do a, do a spiritual audit. Do a marriage audit. Do a friend audit. Where have I been a prat? Where have I been good? What's working? Each of these issues, it helps you to align yourself in a different way. But spiritually, we just set ourselves up and say, my God, we understand what you're doing. We are not ignorant, but help me to see the bigger picture. Yes? So is that your heart this morning? Do you want to see the bigger picture? Do you want eternity set in your hearts? Well, come on now. Let's just raise our hands. We say, my God, Father, your word declares that it's you who sets eternity in the hearts of men but father god i pray this morning that we come into partnership and alignment with you and say lord god father we set our hearts on eternity lord cause us to have such clarity in the holy ghost this morning father we pray that our portion for this year was revelation and understanding but lord god i pray right now in the holy ghost that you will touch our lives lord god where we've been bearing fruit continue to bear fruit where areas of our lives have been uh, not yielded to you or not borne the fruit that you want to, Lord God. Father, I pray that you are the gardener that will trim back so that we can and will bear more fruit. Father, it's for your good pleasure that we bear much fruit. And Lord, we look to you again today. Father God, we want to be salt, we want to be light, we want to be a people who represent you. Oh my God, Father, set eternity in our hearts this morning. Cause us not to be distracted, Lord God, Father, by finance, by the sickness, Lord God, by relationship issues. Lord God, we pray right now in Jesus' name. We bring it back into alignment where you are. Lord God, we make you number one again in our lives. Father God, we set you as being king of kings. You are our kingdom king this morning. Lord God, Father, I pray that even as we come into this season, that Lord God, I pray that our lives will be blessed. We pray, Lord God, that families will be touched, that there will be unity, there will be clarity. Where there's been division, Lord God, let there be unity brought back. But Lord God, I pray at this time that Lord God, we do not leave you as a baby in a manger. But Lord God, Father, we lift up the man, Christ Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who said it is finished, the one who went all the way for us. And Lord God, I pray right now, establish that eternity in our hearts. Holy Ghost, bring it back to us. Help us to get back online, back on track, and laying hold of you in a way that we've never laid hold of you before. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.